Hey there, my name is Bonnie Burton. Welcome to the Learning Commons at the Middle School Campus of Richmond Christian School, Richmond, British Columbia, Canada. Welcome to another day in God's story. We are over the moon to have you join the Every Square Centimeter podcast as we tour Canada celebrating and finding inspiration in the people, places, and practices in Christian education. We're going to kick our podcast off with an opening square where we meet the group, which today we're calling our group a convocation. If you recall last episode, we were a Nanaimoite gam or a nanogam with Shannon Gillespie from Nanaimo Christian School as we learned that Justin's silky smooth vocals couldn't hold a candle to Shannon's hidden talent, which, spoiler alert, included animal impressions. Uh, we learned that uh, there's documentation that Nanaimo bars are from Nanaimo. Uh, we learned the benefits of fighting a horse-sized duck to a duck-sized horse. Uh, we also learned that Darren and I don't know much about musicals. But more importantly, what we loved is we heard about Shannon's love for middle school students and her inspiring approach to increasing authenticity and vulnerability with them. So go have a listen if you haven't already. But today we're a convocation in Richmond. So I'm going to take a guess, like Richmondite convocation, Richmondite, Bonnie? I like that. Okay. Uh, Richmondite, Richmondonians, Richmond folks, <laughs> oh, uh, rich, okay. rich, rich yeah. people. It all fits <laughs> with what we are all about here in Richmond. Rich, rich people convocation. I like that. To get to know our convocation, <laughs> we're going to start our podcast with a question or prompt. This part of the opening square is the name segment. My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Centre for Christian Education, or PCCE, and alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. I'll Take Body Odor Over Bad Breath, Darren Speaksma. Hey, Convocation. Hey, Hey, Darren. Darren, Darren, prompt today, what's something you would have hanging in your classroom or office wall? So I um, continue to appreciate Donald Miller. So I always have a Donald Miller quote in my classroom or in my office. And the one I've got hanging up right now is from his A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. Once you know what it takes to live a better story, you don't have a choice. Not living a better story would be like deciding to die, deciding to walk around numb until you die. And it's not natural to want to die. Hmm. From Advance in Eastern Canada, we have a guy who prefers his mud bath to consist of pumpkin puree, Justin Cook. Uh, I knew the mud bath was coming back to haunt me. <laughs> hey, Canada. Oh, hey, oh, Canada. <laughs> Justin, Thanks, what's something Thanks, you would have, <laughs> have hanging in your classroom or on your wall? All right. Well, I um, often had in my writer's craft classroom, uh, the theme, we had a theme for the year and it became the, the title of our fine arts journal that we published every year. And the one I'm thinking of specifically is you are found, which was this mural. This is kind of our focus that we wanted people to be found as writers, but also as readers. As we heard off the top, we are honored to be welcomed virtually into Rich- Richmond Christian school by their principal, Bonnie Burton. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Bonnie, what's something you have hanging in your classroom or office wall? Well, I no longer have a classroom. So in my office, I have many things because I'm a words person. But one of the best things that I have is this drum print that I got in Haida Gwaii when I went on an educator's trip. And we took a trip up to Old Masset went into this very unassuming little artist's shop and I saw this print on the wall and right there working on another thing happened to be the artist who was so humble and nonchalant and he's told me the story of the print and it it was uh, a very iconic piece that I've treasured ever since and it reminds me of a tremendous time that we had and that's where I really got to know Mr. Speaksma. Ooh. Mm. 
nice. Bonnie, I think I think over your shoulder for our listeners, we, they won't be able to see this, but I I think we can see it, and, and maybe yeah. we can add that to our our show's notes um, a picture of that. It's it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, so yeah, for myself, uh, I was. You know, I've done a lot with mindset uh, in my classroom, and so I would have generally have something about growth mindset, fixed mindset. But one of my per- favorite things that I had in my classroom was one year I took my students, uh, I invited them into a mindset challenge where I asked a someone that you know kind of identified as an artist, like I'm an artist, and I said, okay, come on up, and uh, and then I said, anyone that doesn't think they're an artist, come on up, and I had another person come on up, and and I drew Odie on the classroom whiteboard now. Uh, that might be to some degree aging myself because Odie's not maybe as popular these days, but some of the kids still recognized Odie. And that's the one thing I learned to draw cartoon wise. And so I had the students copy it and the boy that came up and said that he was uh, not an artist. I could not even tell what the picture was. It was (laughs) just like, I thought there is no way I'm going to teach mindset from this guy's starting point. I wanted to show that, yes, you can learn, but, uh, and the girl did a good job. And, uh, they went for lunch and I asked the boy to stay back with me and to redo it over lunch and practice with me. And he was willing to, and we did it after a break. Everyone came back in and I said, okay, let's do this again. And, and the boys Odie version was almost exactly the same as mine after I'd coached them. And, and so we just hung up those whiteboards in our classroom. And so the students could see, and I remember uh, at the end of that day, the student walked down the hallway as one of my basketball players um, definitely struggled in school and uh, I said, hey, thanks for doing that. Thanks for staying in. And he said, you know what? I never, ever thought I could do that. Hmm. And uh, I just thought it was so cool and such a, a, a good reminder for my students that, that year for what a growth mindset can do. So if, uh, if you have something interesting on your classroom walls or office walls, tweet us at EverySquareCM and let us know that your favorite thing uh, and uh, hopefully can provide some inspiration for other educators as well. In the second half of our opening square, we have our host choose from a variety of segments that all rhyme with aim. So flame, shame, blame. And today, Bonnie has chosen, and I'm going to take a shot at this today, drum roll, game. Yes. (laughs) All right, for today's game, we're going to play Two Truths and a Lie, which Bonnie assures us as a middle school principle she has played before so uh in this one though we're going to keep it to school related truths and lies oh bonnie's not so (laughs) sure about that well we're gonna you know be very flexible with that so uh maybe darren why don't you start us off and uh we'll take a shot at uh, what we think is the lie sure sounds good um i decided to go with a theme um which is school camping that's my theme for my two truths and a lie um my first Example is for my entire um, administrative career, we took our entire middle school camping twice a year. So that's my first one. My second statement is to start the school year, students would come to school and the first thing they would do is just get on the bus. So they didn't go into school at all. They just came to school with their parents, got on the bus and left camping. And my third is, as a student, I had 12 hours of community service because as a camper, I skipped out on curfew and had to do 12 hours of community service, picking rocks, actually, from the school's new field. That's, uh, those are my three statements. All right. Uh, I'll go first. I'm, I'm going to pick the last one as a lie just because of the hours thing. Maybe there's more hours. I'm going to, I'm going to guess there's something finicky at the hours. So Justin, what do you got? I don't think anyone in their right mind would just shovel people right on the bus. As soon as they got to school, I I'm saying the second one's a lie. Bonnie, what do you got? I'm going to say the community service. Okay. So Bonnie and I are in cahoots on this one. Darren, what's uh, what's the lie? The first one's actually a lie. Oh, <laughs> none of us. The 12, or 12 hours of community service, though, was the one I want to talk about because my dad was so flabbergasted that we got that sort of punishment that he actually showed up with ice cream for everyone that got community <laughs> service 
So he gave us a break partway through one of the evenings that we were doing community service at the school with ice cream as his way of solidarity for us just having a good time. He just thought the punishment was a little over the top. Um, but we actually, for about half the times, for about half the time that I was an administrator, kids would come to school with their stuff and get on the bus. And that's how we start the year. Wow. Very cool. Thanks, Darren. Uh, so that's zero for everyone. I, Darren should get extra points because he tricked us all, though, I think, right? In the real that's game. True. So, yeah. Five so, points. Five okay. points, I believe. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, uh, Justin, go ahead. All right. Here I go. Truth number one. I shamelessly taught a family member as an author in my own high school English classes. Truth number two. My students once jacked up my pickup truck and stole all four wheels off my pickup as a practical joke. (laughs) Nice. Truth number three. As a volleyball coach, I once missed my own team bus at the start of a tournament. I was hoping you were going to start the third one by saying lie number one, and that would have helped. <laughs> would have helped me out. Bonnie, you got a guess on the lie? Where are you from, by the way? I So I'm from Hamilton. Okay. So I'm going to say the pickup truck is incorrect. Darren? I'm going to go with the author because I've done the pickup truck to a teacher. <laughs> okay that deserves community service (laughs) again no ice cream this time no um yeah i'm gonna go with the volleyball one as yeah volleyball okay so i get five points for making everybody guess a different one right (laughs) i don't think that's how it works (laughs) shucks all right actually the the pickup truck is the lie Oh, they, Bonnie, they, nice work. Yeah, nice work, Bonnie. They they did jack up the back wheels about a centimeter off the ground, but they left the wheels on hoping that I would try and actually drive away. Oh, nice. my. Uh, nice. So it was even more dastardly uh, a practical <laughs> joke. There uh, there's, there's some classic <laughs> school practical jokes out there. That one, uh, That one's up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bonnie, what do you got? All right. When I was in elementary school, I was doing that leg swing on the monkey bars and took a swing and splatted right down on the ground and broke my tooth. (sighs) Number two, I skipped grade three. And number three, I used to plan fights with other girls after school to see who would cheer for me. Wait, can I ask a clarifying question, Jamie? No clarifying question. <laughs> no, but I want to hear the story. Uh, I'll go. I'll go first, um, and I'll say the the tooth one is the lie. But I kind of hope the third one is. <laughs> Darren, I am. What was the second one again, Bonnie? I'm so distracted by the third one that uh, uh, I skipped grade three. I'm going with that one. Is that any uh, any well, slide I just, on I just, Bonnie's I, academic? Prowess? No, <laughs> I just I just know Bonnie well enough to imagine the other two's happening. So okay. I have to choose one. So <laughs> okay, uh, maybe she skipped more than one grade. Mm-hmm. Justin, <clears throat> I'm also going to go number one. Uh, I think I think Bonnie looks like the type of person who is. Not going to hurt herself, but, you know, watch out if you're someone else. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't mess with Bonnie. Just putting that out there. Bonnie, what's the lie? The lie is I skipped grade three. Oh, that's nice work. Oh, yes. the tooth. No. Nope. Yeah. So I used to plan, my friend and I, we would plan fake fights after school, literally, to see who would come and cheer for us. We'd literally have each other in a headlock, laughing our guts out, and just waiting to see how much of a group would gather. Yeah, it's not a good thing to do to yourself when the other person's getting all the cheers. It's it's very hard on the ego, let me just say. True. Yeah. So the, so the first rule of your fight club is nobody fights. Correct. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Um, my three truths. Um, number one, I would taught for 10 years at uh, Covenant Christian School in the Duke, grade seven, and I took my students to Jasper for four days, all 10 years. Number two, I've taught at three different types of schools in Alberta, so a private Christian school, an alternative publicly funded Christian school, and a publicly funded, what I call a, a regular program school. And my third one is I once celebrated uh, one of my students in my class's birthday, um, except for he was a twin, and uh, so forgot the other student in my classroom <laughs> that was also celebrating a birthday. Bonnie, what do you think? I think you're really good at this game with all the numbers and the days and all of that. I'm going to go with um, the first one, 10 years uh, at Covenant Christian School, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, Bonnie, I am losing the game currently, but I appreciate the encouragement. So thank you. <laughs> Darren. I am also going with Jasper because four days – like, I love camping with middle schoolers, but yeah. four days? Come on, man. Justin. That's a good point, actually. I appreciate that. But Darren's uh, favorite emoji is the face in the palm face emoji. Is that what it's called, what, what it's called Jeremy? Yeah, yeah. So I think only the, the second one isn't kind of like a mm. palm in the face kind of experience. So I'm going to say the second one is a lie. Three different Ooh, schools. I like, I like that uh, that recall back to the emojis uh but unfortunately both darren and bonnie are correct um i taught for 10 years at covenant (laughs) but one year i took off uh and it was four days uh three nights four days in jasper with uh, an amazing called uh, beneath and beyond unit uh science language arts bible is just an awesome experience uh did some gold panning uh where we threw in uh, I would spray paint some BBs and uh, told the kids <laughs> that they were really round because they've been in the water a long time and the water had <laughs> made them round and they'd gold pan and find them. And some got really excited. And then we'd have them uh, sell them or trade them with a, a trader for some candy. Uh, but I, only, I one year I skipped because uh, my wife was due around the time that uh, we were going on our Jasper trip. So I had someone else cover for me. So I only did it nine years out of the 10. Wow. That's a technicality. Yeah, I know. Nice call, though. (laughs) Justin, that uh, unfortunately moves Darren into first place into (sighs) our games. He's got two wins. I got one and Justin zero. Bonnie, thank you for humoring us and participating in this game. (laughs) We're going to transition from our opening square to the part of our podcast where we learn a little bit about places in Canada and celebrate the people, places, and practices in Christian education. As we heard off the top, Bonnie works at Richmond Christian School in Richmond, British Columbia. Justin, can you tell us a little bit about Richmond? Indeed, I can. Bonnie, <laughs> correct me if I ever go astray. Everyone, Richmond is located on the traditional and unceded territory of the Coast Salish people, the Katsi, Tswasan, Kwantlen, and Musqueam First Peoples. The shores of the Fraser River, where Richmond and Vancouver meet, was once home to one of the biggest coastal First Nations communities in BC, the Musqueam Nation. Complex, vibrant, and and sophisticated communities lived here long, long before European explorers landed on these shores. And as a Canadian population, we are now developing a deeper understanding of this aspect of our collective history. And I don't know if you guys are feeling the same way, but I'm excited that our research is also teaching me a bit about Canada and land acknowledgements. By stating that this is unceded territory, what do we mean? Well, we recognize that this land was never secured for settlement through the treaty process. There was neither negotiation nor compensation. And when we formally acknowledge territory, we are engaging in the process of reconciliation in a respectful way. So that's the acknowledgement of the land of Richmond. Some interesting facts about Richmond. It's as similar to Nanaimo. It's both a river and a harbor town. And like Nanaimo, it's at the mouth of uh, 
well, a, a coastal river, the Fraser River this time, rather than the Nanaimo on the mainland side of the Salish Sea, not the island side this time. And over thousands of years, the Fraser River deposited clay and mud sediment at its mouth to form two major islands. Anybody know the names of the uh, the Richmond, two major Richmond islands? You, you can't play, Bonnie. Let's see if Jeremy and Darren know this one. Is one of them Sea Island? That's the, the Vancouver Airport Island. Yep. Okay, then I'm going with uh, Bay Island for the other one. Yeah, no, nice try. It's <laughs> it's Lulu Island and Sea Island, and they form together the major part of Richmond. One of the most beautiful sights I've seen personally is flying into Vancouver Island, coming down into the Fraser Valley. The sunlight is bathing the valley. You fly over Vancouver. You circle back around over the Pacific Sea and almost feel like you touch the ocean as you land in the city of Richmond. It's a, it's a gorgeous airport to fly into. Again, Bonnie can probably tell us a lot more about this, but given that Richmond is a delta which means it's sediment that's deposited at the mouth of the river. There's some concern about what would happen if a large (laughs) earthquake struck the area. Can you guys picture shaking a bucket of wet sand or patting it on the top over and over again? The water kind of rises to the top and and the silt then settles. It's called liquefaction. There's some concern for that about Richmond. On average, Richmond is one single meter above sea level as an entire city. But they build with earthquake protection in mind and they use dikes to protect the city from flooding. So they're working hard to keep the city prepared and able to withstand significant seismic activity. There's a plus for the silt as well, of course. You know what you grow in silt? Berries. Every, everything? Everything, yes, exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say Richmond, Richmond likes to, to grow berries, blueberries, and cranberries. So it's pretty awesome. Another quick uh, interesting fact, currently 60% of the 200,000 or so residents of Richmond are immigrants. 54% of all Richmondites, did I get that right, Jeremy? Richmondites? Uh, Yeah, or or rich people. We're we're not sure yet. (laughs) Well, I don't want to say it that way. (laughs) 54% of everyone from Richmond identifies as Chinese. This is the highest percentage of Asians in all cities of North America. Pretty cool, Bonnie. Guys, there's another Olympic oval in Richmond. Uh, It's the long speed track, just like we talked about in our Calgary episode. So, Bonnie or Darren, have either of you been to the the speed skating long track at Richmond? Yes, I have. It's awesome. It's a highlight of me, of my time in Calgary. And then uh, I hear there's also an awesome salmon festival on Canada Day in Steveston, a fishing village of Richmond. Either of you guys or anybody been to the salmon festival? Nice. Uh, Graham's nodding his head yes there, uh, (laughs) our our producer. Nice work, Graham. So uh, that's a few things about Richmond. Uh, Bonnie, thanks for inviting us and having us come to your city. You're welcome. Uh, You're welcome here. So, Bonnie, we'd love to, to know how you ended up in Richmond. Well, I was working at Vancouver Christian School, and I had been there for 13 years. And I felt like everything that I had to do at, Rich, at Vancouver Christian School, I had done. And I was looking for a new challenge and felt like I was the athletic director at the time and just personally felt like I was a bit burned out from that role. And a friend of mine told me that Richmond Christian was going to be starting a middle school. And I had always been involved in middle schools. And I thought that was an exciting and interesting venture to get involved in, especially at the ground floor. Mm-hmm. And well, I, you know, long story short, here I am 13 years later at Richmond Christian Middle School. So when you are not at the school, what do you love about Richmond? I love Steveston, which you uh, referred to. I mean, I I spend almost entirely all of my time, if I'm not at home, walking on the dike at Steveston, being in the village at Steveston, uh, working out in Steveston. Uh, I would like to live in Steveston, but I'm 
everything's close enough in Richmond that where I live is very close to my school, but it's also a 10 minute drive to Steveston. Everybody in Richmond goes to Steveston, Mm -hmm. which is this tiny little place. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about Richmond Christian School? Well, Richmond Christian School is a pre-K to 12 school with over a thousand students. We have three separate campuses. We have an elementary campus which hosts our K pre-K to five, and they are, gosh, I guess they're around 400, 430. Our middle campus is uh, 240, and our secondary campus is at 350-ish. Our middle and our secondary campus are located off of Five Road and Steveston Highway, and our elementary campus is on the way, I guess, what direction is that? East and <laughs> somewhere down there uh, where where they're located. Richmond Christian is pretty much uh, reflects the community of Richmond in terms of the demographic. We are... Awesome mostly a school of students who would identify as Asian and on all three campuses. And, um, and when I first started, most of the, the teaching staff and EA staff and everyone was Caucasian. And as I've been here over the course of the 13 years, it has reflected more the community that we live in. Richmond Christian is a, a it's, it's such a cool place because the, the community, the families are very invested in their children. They are also very traditionally, most of them very traditionally Asian. And so they very much respect hierarchical structures. They respect what, what the teachers um, are saying, what the school is doing, and they really come alongside and partner with 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 teachers and they really live into the the partnership that we have so yeah that's richmond christian bonnie it's fun to hear you celebrate both uh the city in that sense but also the 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 parallel of your school with the city i love that and Mm -hmm. the and the growth of your staff to parallel that city that's fantastic Mm -hmm. the way you described that do you have a favorite place in the school bonnie my favorite place has to be the learning commons and it is my favorite place because to me, it's the heartbeat of the school. It has, you know, as, as other schools have evolved from being a library where kids come and be quiet and read books, we too have been on that journey. And, and I think it's one of my favorite places because it really was one of my first initiatives to develop that space with our then teacher librarian who had this amazing vision and desire to to take us to the next level. So she and I worked very closely on it. And when we first began having like a makerspace in our library and, and that we'd invite kids in at lunchtime to be creative and collaborative and and that this was actually a place of noisiness and creativity everything started to change in the classroom situation as well Hmm. because the nature of our students is they come from very their parents come from very traditional learning um experiences and students come from very traditional expectations from their parents as well. So when they come to school, it's all about what do I have to do to get my A? What what are the expectations? You want me to write a creative story? What do you want me to write it about? Is this good enough? Hmm. So we, we, we understood very quickly that this space was actually inviting students into opening themselves in a very... Um, non-threatening way um, and a low-key way to their creativity. Nobody was marking them. Nobody was judging them, just Mm -hmm. inviting them into that possibility. And that's just had a trickle up um, result in our whole school. Mm, I love that. 
Ani, I think a number of Christian schools here in Ontario are talking uh, uh, very intentionally about the same transition from library to learning commons. And I wonder if you could just say a little bit more practically about that transition. You mentioned a makerspace. Are there other very specifically intentional ways that you transform mm. this space for kids from a traditional library into a much more proactively engaging learning commons? Yeah, I think one of the things we did right away was realize how the teachers were using the space. So at that point, we had we had a computer lab, but we also had several tabletop or desktop computers in the library. And teachers would come in the library and they just do research on the computers. So they weren't actually using the space other than it's an alternative space other than the lab. So one thing we did mm. right away was we just made the whole thing over. We got rid of all of the desktop computers. We we took out um, computer stations so that we'd have more wide open spaces. We designated what used to be a table where the desktops were as a collab space. And so we, we, it was messy all of the time and there were boxes everywhere. We bought stuff for the makerspace space. We invited students in at lunchtime to come for challenges, makerspace challenges. So we were very intentional about saying, this is a space you can come to, you can create things. Um, oh yeah, and there's books here too, you can mm -hmm. read. And so in a bow to the kids who really do enjoy the quietness of the space, we also created sort of a reading space that was dedicated. We had this wooden structure with this quiet kind of clear back uh, surrounding on it. We bought lots of really beautiful furniture that was bright and colorful and carpets and throw pillows and big, long, like bean baggy kinds of things. We, we created spaces that were welcoming and kid centric mm. and we invited them to just come in be in those spaces and we also had a um, parent who was an architect who gave his time for free to help us imagine how we could recreate the space awesome that's a that's a great story and again even that story of the architect speaks to your community and what you were mentioning about this investment that um, mm. parents mm -hmm. uh, have in their in their kids and in in the school community um, I just love hearing you talk about that, Bonnie, because I think underneath I can I can feel and hear just sort of a a vision for learn, learning and a hope for learning. And um, anyone who chooses to teach middle school and administrate <laughs> at a middle school um, is passionate about middle school. I would hope, and you mm -hmm. obviously are. And I'd love to hear sort of what's your hope for for middle school kids when yeah. they're when they're leaving and heading off to secondary. Um, what's your hope for them? Yeah. I mean, I think, as you know, Darren, middle school is this great place for kids to really get in touch with their identity, who they are. They come in as these post-elementary kids where everything is structured and and expectations are very clear and it's, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's. And these are really important skills. And I think at the middle school, we want to kind of open that up a little bit and give more independence and more freedom and more exploration in terms of their giftedness, the gifts that God has given them, the talents that God has given them. Um, so really my deep hope is that kids would grow to understand that God has a plan and a purpose for their life, that they are each one created uniquely and in his image and and that they, they have gifts and talents that he has given them that they might have to dig a little deeper to unpack. I, I want them, my deep hope is also that they would understand that all of our learning is this great mystery that God wants us to see his fingertip, his finger touch or his fingerprints on everything. And that our goal as learners is to pull back that curtain and see what already exists there that it's our humility as we come to that learning. And then ultimately, the deep hope is that kids would know and understand that God loves them, that He um, wants them to be in relationship with Him, that He 
wants to draw them and equip them to live in the world, to make an impact on the world, to be transformed by his love so they can go out into the world and transform the world with love as well that comes from Jesus. Okay, so I just want to I just want to go amen there and uh, say that's the end of the podcast because that amen. was yeah that was beautiful. Um, but I do know that in each of these um, kids' lives, there's competing stories. Um, mm. And what are the most challenging um, competing stories for for your middle schoolers? I think that they aren't good enough. That they're they're always striving for something that their parents value. And that's achievement, that sometimes the, the learning gets away on them and the pursuit is all about achievement. We have students, honestly, in the off-site time um, last spring that were genuinely concerned, grade eight students that were generally, genuinely concerned that, that being out of in-person learning was going to jeopardize their application to law school when they got through university. That the challenge for our kids is the very high expectation of their parents that each and every one of them will go on to post-secondary education. That is the goal. That is the mission. And it might not even be about the passions that this child is unpacking in themselves it is about what their parents have predetermined for them to do. And I've heard lots of stories about that from kids. I've heard lots of stories about that actually from my colleagues who are Asian and grew up in that environment as well and who started on a particular trajectory of business school or accounting and they just had to pull the plug and say, no, I, I want to be a PE teacher. That's my aspiration. That's the giftedness and talent that God has given me. So I think that is that is a competing story that we have to really, really journey with our parents with to help them understand that your child is going to achieve so much if you let them become who God has created them to become. Mm. Bonnie, I want to ask this question. I'm a bit nervous to do so because I want to make sure that we're honoring of people and not being stereotypical whatsoever. And certainly I had lots of different types of families pressuring me with my students in grade 12. Why why a 94% and not yeah. a, a and not a 96% or but I'm wondering, do you have any insight from your experience in Richmond as to why this competing story of, of uh, grade acquisition and, and high expectations is particularly um, a struggle for Asian families? Is that a fair question to ask? Yeah. And it becomes, it doesn't just become that for our Asian families because there are other communities represented as well, but that mm. becomes the push for all families then. And so so I'll just gonna go a little sideways on that question just for a second. Please. To to the point where kids and families who have maybe um are reflect more of maybe how I grew up where, you know, it's all about balance, you know, C's get degrees, we're all good, everything's gonna work out those kids are really quite marginalized and they represent a very small percentage of the school. So why is there this drive? I think, to be honest, it's, it's, it's that we haven't helped parents enough yet to understand the value of a, a well-rounded experience, not just in school, but in the world. They didn't have that. And, and I think that there, I think our community just reflects who we are too. I had a very well-rounded experience as a child growing up. I'm a very well-rounded person as a result. So kids are reflecting the, the families that they're living in and the families that they're living are reflecting the families that they lived in. Yeah. So there's some breaking down and um, learning that we as a school realize that we need to do with our community at, to bring them along and to give them an imagination of what it could be to have it all, actually. I, so 
That's amazing, actually. So I ask you, why are, why is this a Richmond story? And you're like, well, it's generational. Mm-hmm. And, and we haven't, as a school, done enough to invite them into a different story. That is such a humble, courageous answer mm. that you're giving. It's, it's our problem to solve, I hear you saying, as mm. a school leader. And I just want to thank you for that. Bonnie, I'm wondering, as you invite students into a story, maybe you can go a, different, a couple different ways. Um, how has God invited you into mm. this story? Uh, how do you feel that invitation and or how do you, in, how do you invite your school staff into God's story? So either way or, or both, love to hear. Yeah. You know, when I, I never, ever aspired to be a school leader, ever. Never wanted to ever do this work. And yet felt when I moved to RCS, I was really quite ancient compared to all of the other people. And there was this expectation that being old and experienced uh, meant that I could lead people. And so I fell into it in that way. Um, But when I became a principal, I was... um, just really overwhelmed by the responsibility that I had to serve my colleagues, my families, my students, the responsibility to make sure that we were on mission, that we were on vision, that we were loving people, that we were helping them to find out their true self in Jesus. And I realized at that point it was Man, Bonnie, if you're going to invite kids and into this story of who Jesus is and who he wants to make them, you better get on your game with respect to your own discipleship. And so I, from that moment on, I realized that whatever I do at this school, if I'm going to have any impact on this school, it's going to be because the Holy Spirit is flowing through me and I am being obedient to how he's calling me. And I am not just going to seek his hands. I'm going to seek his face daily so that I know that I am prepared to be with people because I have been with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And because of that, that's going to help shape the way that I am uh, with people. So I have a, a daily practice before I come to school of just sitting and meditating and calling upon the Holy Spirit to just indwell me and to give me wisdom. I read some scripture to help form that. And um, yeah, I just ask for his help every single day and mostly just for wisdom because there are so many complex pieces. And I would say, particularly during this pandemic where I'm carrying so much for so many people Mm -hmm. because they're carrying so much for their students Mm -hmm. and their students need to be carried so much that Mm -hmm. if I'm not in a daily practice of spiritually preparing for the work that God has for me to do, it's all going to go downhill. Mm-hmm. And not because of me, but because I didn't prepare adequately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, really good. I There's a leader here in Ontario who, who keeps urging us to lead ourselves, uh, e- even as we lead our communities. And, and he, what he means by that really is exactly what you're describing, Bonnie, this idea of submitting your own discipline and practices, mm-hmm. uh, modeling what you desire for others in your own life. Just out of curiosity, Bonnie, when and where are you doing that meditative time in in inviting the spirit to give you wisdom? Yeah, well, when my when my children didn't get up early, the, I have grown children that I live with. One is actually a teacher at the elementary campus and one's at university. I would just sit in my living room and I'd light a candle and I had this practice that I learned from um a spiritual director that I had that I I light a candle and I say this, I say, I light a candle in the darkness and I say to the dark, I beg to differ. And then I just Mm -hmm. practice the presence of Jesus. And I'll do that just in my home, in my living room. Now that people are out and about in my house, I'll be in my bedroom, just wherever I can be alone. Ultimately on a weekend, I'll go to 
to the dike and I'll find a very silent place and I'll, I'll just uh, bask in the beauty of God's creation and just meditate. That's, that's what I would do. Bonnie, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, sharing, giving us a glimpse into how God is working through you, how you invite God into your life. And uh, we're going to transition into a kind of a celebration of, of your work, your, your role in God's story. All right. As you already know now, this is our fourth episode. And so you know, to be inducted into the esteemed Every Square Centimeter Celebration of Learning Gallery, our guest joins us on our podcast. Bonnie, thank you. They share what they're trying, who they are, and have at least one other person write some nice things about you. And today that person is Roger Gross, Superintendent of Richmond Christian School. Darren, I think you have a letter. Yes, I do. Bonnie Burton, vivacious, dynamic, a dynamo and a problem solver, confident, secure, secure, and yet not immune to slings and arrows, witty, sarcastic, and always ready for a good laugh, a thinker, an encourager, and a woman of prayer. She writes the most incredible staff memos that inform, instruct, guide, and humor the staff in their roles and responsibility. She is a champion for her staff members. She sings like a rock star and plays sports and games with a determined competitive edge she is out to win (laughs) and yet she cries when others hurt and defends those needing protection she is determined and not easily deterred obstacles exist only to be dismantled and managed she rises to the challenge and takes on the world with strength and grit a team player and a counselor a teacher a principal an administrator a colleague and a friend. God bless you, Bonnie, for all you mean to us at RCS. Whew, wow. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to lie, my eyes might be leaking a little liquid right now. <laughs> well, that's a, that, it feels like a eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to be alive when a eulogy was spoken of me, so. <laughs> well, you're welcome then. Yeah, thank you, guys. We make make dreams come true. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Sings like a rock star. I'm just sad we didn't give her an opportunity to show us uh, how that that sounds. So next time, Bonnie. Well, that will be part two. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I might even write you a little song, which is what I'm. I what I do is I I write little songs for people. So that's a guaranteed invite right there. Thank you, Darren, for sharing that with me, and for you guys for wow, that was. uh, that was really, really touching, and I'm masking it with humor, but I'm very, very moved by by that. Hmm. So now I suppose I'll have to buy Roger a coffee or something like that <laughs> to say thank you. <laughs> Bonnie, uh, it has been an honor to have you with us, so thank you so much. Is If anyone wants to contact you, how could they do that? They can contact me at burton at myrcs.ca and i'd love to hear from people love to hear what other people are doing and and we can uh, just collaborate and figure stuff out together and make it a good experience to be in christian education i love that invitation um and we should have that email in our show notes for those that are, are looking for it listeners we would also love to hear from you so email us at everysquarecentimeter at gmail.com. Give us some opening square ideas, maybe a fun prompt or question, a segment idea. We're always open to those. But also send us your feedback. Tell us about an educator that we should celebrate. Pose a question you want us to discuss. Uh, if we get enough questions, I think I think we may try something unique, like a, like an answer to email or email answering segment or something. So last of all, we'd love more people to know the amazing work that educators are doing. So please rate, review, and subscribe in whatever platform you use to listen and tell a friend or colleague about the podcast. Before Darren sends us off with a, a blessing, I want to thank Bonnie for hosting our convocation and ask if anyone knows what a convocation is. So maybe Justin, I'll give you your first shot. Feeling confident on this one? Sea lions. Ooh, okay, convocation of sea lions. Darren, what do you got? That was actually on my list, but um, I'm going with wildebeest. Okay, <laughs> the regional <laughs> wildebeest. Uh, and Bonnie, uh, 
What do you think? Convocation. A convocation is a group of eagles. Wow. This and- is a every square centimeter first, <sighs> Bonnie. Nice. Congratulations. That is correct. Uh, I didn't even have to tell you that I usually choose something regional. And yes. in my quick re, uh, research, I've seen that bald eagles, Richmond bald eagles is uh, a thing. Uh, so my my question for the group, uh, just I picked a really random, I usually pick a really random question that you guys don't get any chance to prep for. And my question is, if you were to choose an animal that should be bald, what would you choose? <laughs> Which animal would you choose, Bonnie? Well, before I answer that, I just want to say it's very apt that you chose convocation because we are the RCS Eagles. And so it's all very full circle-ish. Excellent choice, Jeremy. I would like, yes, that was all intentional. No, I think it would be very interesting if sheepdogs were bald. (laughs) (laughs) Just on the top. Like a little monk. <laughs> oh, that's <I> awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Just, that I was imagining more like a, just a white-headed bald eagle type of thing. But you, yeah, I like the idea of just going straight bald, just, uh, shaving. That's good. Darren. I think my answer still stands. Like, I am fascinated for what a bald wildebeest would look like. <laughs> <laughs> stuck on wildebeest, eh? Did you watch a, a Blue Planet or something uh, recently? Uh, Justin. Well, I, just because they are bald, I think they should be called bald turkey vultures. Mm. Hey, guys, mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, With the redheads. It's, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't name my sports team after them. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just got a haircut and feeling sensitive to any bald jokes right now uh, because okay. it, uh, my receding hairline is is uh making waves so ah, you old sheepdog you yeah <laughs> you could just get away with just shaving the top of my head i'd be good with that so yeah all right uh darren to end our time together uh can you read a blessing for us yes i'd love to and this blessing is um for our listeners for bonnie um and for us uh, so hear this blessing from the lord may the lord bless you and protect you May the Lord smile on you and show grace to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Stay encouraged, educators. We want to thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.